0: Well, in God's divine wisdom, he has afforded us yet another opportunity to sympathize with those characters of the Bible. If you remember last week for Palm Sunday, we looked at the fact that we can sympathize with the lepers who had to be socially distanced from people. And today, we now can relate to the disciples. This is a very unique Easter service. Again, in case you have not noticed, you're in your homes, you're sitting in your couch. Well, we are locked behind our doors. Shades might be pulled. And now we are like the disciples, hidden away. And the temptation to fear this virus, lingers outside. And even if we don't let it in, there is still this problem of unknowns. We face this multitude of unknowns right now in our life. We don't know what is going to happen with this pandemic. We don't know why God would have allowed this pandemic to happen in the first place. We don't know how our lives will permanently be changed by this virus. And so, Even now, we are in our homes, locked away, with the threat of fear lingering at our doorstep. Well, this being possibly the first Easter ever, I can't remember an Easter that I was not in a church building. My wife's pointing out that I am in a church building. I get that but this is not the church building that I want to be in right now because I don't have my church family with me. But this is the first Easter, I would say that probably any of us, unless you were sick, have spent Easter in your home. There's something I want you to do for me, church. And I want you to do it right now, okay? Go and unlock your door. I'm serious. Go right now. I I won't move on with the message until you can go do that so you won't miss anything. But I want you to go and unlock your door. And if you have a a storm door, if you have a screen door, I want you to open up the one door. You can keep, you know, you don't want to just open up your entire door to, you know, don't let the insects in. You don't live in a barn, but go and open up a door if you can and unlock it and and say here i am christ come in because i don't want us to be like the disciples today i don't want us to be cowering in fear behind locked doors i don't want jesus to be forced to miraculously appear behind a locked door i want him to freely be able to open a door and walk right into our homes today so go do it i'll wait Got it? Good. I'm glad. Christ is risen today, the single most important day. I cannot repeat this enough. He has risen from the grave. Everything else that we believe in, everything else that we do, everything that we believe hinges upon this day, this day of celebration. It is a day of rejoicing. It is a day of giving praise to God for all that he has done. And as we've reflected over the past 40 days for the season of Lent, we've, we've tried to strip away all that extra junk. We've tried to strip away all the stuff that could, can bother us, can keep us blinded from seeing the most important thing. So that right now, this moment, we can fully appreciate the phrase that he has risen. He has risen, and our lives are never going to be the same because we are no longer alone. This is the day of victory. And yet, and yet, those disciples, those disciples, they believed that they were still alone. And this is the problem. Today, if we continue on from this point forward believing that we are alone, if we were alone, this is what would happen. Look at the disciples. They're behind locked doors, they're cowering in the corner out of fear. They're afraid of what's going to happen, they don't know what's going to occur. And Jesus has told them over and over again, all throughout the three years he's walked with them I'm going to have to die. But don't worry. In three days, I'm going to be risen again. And it happens just the way he says it's going to happen. And what do they do? Think he's lying. They don't believe him. Instead, they hide in fear. The feeling of being alone has consumed them to the point that they could no longer function. They worried about what would happen to them. They worried that now that their master was dead, that they had no one to protect them from the Jews and that they were next on the chopping block. And they didn't just fear the punishment. They had completely abandoned all that Christ had taught them about the kingdom of God. All the things that he said were their hopes and their promises. They just let it go out of their minds. After three years of working with these people, and three days, and it's all in the trash. This is the power of fear and loneliness. On the day when they were supposed to be rejoicing in the streets, they were silent in their homes. They were held captive by the feeling of being alone. And the feeling of being captive by loneliness it is not easily broken look at what our text says here when when Jesus appears to them first off let's stop and, and realize something here for a moment in the morning the early morning some women go to the grave see that Jesus is dead uh, is not dead anymore the grave is rolled away tombs empty and here they have this news. They go running back to the disciples. They tell the disciples. Some of the disciples even see it. And yet they still don't believe. All day long, they have this news that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's no longer in the tomb. And they don't believe it. Instead, they lock another lock on the door until evening. Jesus is kind of cruel that way. He waited until evening to show himself to the disciples. He was giving them all day to believe. And they didn't. All day. And then evening comes. And he appears to them and he says, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And they're like, uh... They don't do anything. They don't know what to do until Christ shows them the scars in his hands and in his side. And then they believe. It took Jesus showing them physical proof of who he was for them to be broken from this idea of being alone forever. That's the power of this idea of being alone that's the power that fear can have within our lives. It had such control over the disciples that it took Jesus physically showing his wounds before they could even think of believing in him. And this is the danger, church, that we face if we believe that we are simply alone in this world. This is the problem with fear in our lives we know we shouldn't feel it we know that it's not right we know that fear and loneliness has no place in our lives but we allow it there anyways of course there are so many reasons to fear there's so many reasons to be uh, afraid because the world has practically made a game out of who can make people the most afraid they get a story about a virus that can't be stopped. You get a story about some gunmen shooting up an unarmed crowd. You get a story about nations breaking peace treaties and everyone is just saying, what are we supposed to do? They're afraid and they keep pushing these fears. Everything around us is trying to make us feel like we are alone and all we can do is cower in the corner. Like the disciples. And it all comes back to this idea of if we were alone. If we were alone, then yes. If we were alone, then yes, we fear the bigger things. If we are alone, then yes, we fear those that are stronger than us. If we are alone, then we fear what the world is going to do to us because the world is going to beat us up, chew us up, spit us out. If We were alone. The feeling we had on Friday, though, the feeling of being alone, it has no place in our hearts today because Sunday has come. The grave is empty. Christ is standing before us, showing his scars, saying, I am alive and I am with you forever. You are no longer alone. And this is where then he begins to empower them, empowered to do more than what they could ever have imagined. And once that finally sinks into the disciples' heads, look at what happens. They finally, they finally believe him. And something amazing happens. Jesus empowers them above all else, realizing that they were actually never alone they're able to receive the peace of Christ that has been missing in their lives. I cannot overemphasize the point it needs to be made to believe in what Christ says. Peace be with you. When Christ says, peace be with you, that is something that we cannot take lightly. That is something that we should not just assume is some passive way of Christ saying, hey, it's okay, I'm here. No, to have peace peace be with you, it means that the disciples no longer had any reason or any excuse to fear. It means that they did not need to hide anymore because the peace of Christ defeats all fear. The peace of Christ defeats all feelings of loneliness. The peace of Christ is bigger than anything else in this world because the peace of Christ is peace from God himself. That is why when we have that moment of passing the peace. It is so important as we say, the peace of Christ be with you. Because we are reminding each other again and again and again, Christ said, peace be with you. And that changes everything in our lives. That empowers us to do what we could not do. And so with the peace of Christ established, he then commissions them and empowers them. He tells them that he is sending them out just as he was sent. And because he's sending them on a mission, he's equipping them with the Holy Spirit to complete the work of God. But all this becomes possible. All this is unlocked because the disciples finally moved from thinking that they were alone to knowing that they are no longer alone. The empowerment of the disciples completely changed the dynamic of their lives, completely changed how they interacted with people, completely changed their ability to work within the world. Not only did they need to no longer fear their lives because they had the peace of Christ with them, but they could also go boldly out and act just as Christ had acted when he was on earth. We see this play out with the giving of the Holy Spirit here. Look what comes of this. When he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. Before this moment, the disciples could not forgive sin. They could not retain sin. They didn't have any of that power, any of that authority. But then Christ says, go as I came, you go now. And I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I'm authorizing you to forgive sins. Or to retain sins. And now everything has changed. But notice the connection it has with the Holy Spirit. It's not people all of a sudden having this ultimate power of saying, I forgive your sins or I don't forgive your sins. This is people working through the Holy Spirit. It is people being a vessel of God to be God on earth. because of that they can say your sins are forgiven or your sins are not forgiven they have that power and this is why we rejoice today just as the disciples were empowered so we are empowered today just as the disciples were told that they are no longer alone we are no longer alone we are never going to be alone again for the rest of our lives. For all of us, if you believe in Christ, if you confess that He died for your sins and He rose again, and you believe as Him as Lord and Savior of your life, you are never alone. Death has no victory over you. Loneliness has no control of you. Fear has no place within your life, and you share in the gift of the peace of Christ, in the purpose of Christ, and in the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so then you are sent along with all other Christians to act with the boldness of Christ in the world, no longer holding on to fear, but speaking with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that means that even in this time of a pandemic, we do not fear It means that we can shout for joy while people cower behind locked doors. It means that we can celebrate the goodness of God when the economy is on the verge of collapsing. It means that even with widespread unemployment, we have nothing to fear because we are not alone. Today is a day of celebration. Today is a day where we rejoice because we do not have to live behind locked doors in fear. We do not have to wonder what is going to happen to us because Christ is with us. And so the choice is ours today. I know that there is someone listening right now who has not accepted Jesus as their Savior. I know there's someone online who's watching this video who thinks that they're still alone who believes in their lives that they have to cling to fear because it protects them, that they have to cling to the idea that they are the only ones living for themselves because no one else is going to stand up for them. I know that someone out there is held captive by this idea of thinking that Christ is not with them, that Christ is somehow dead. This is your chance. This is your moment to believe, You do not have to live this life alone. Christ died and was raised from the dead so that you might live. So believe today. You have the choice. And it is as easy as this. Confess your sins to Christ. Confess that Christ is Lord of your life. Say that you believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he was raised for your forgiveness. You can do that today. And if you need help, if you want guidance, if you need prayer, let us know there are people who would love to reach out to you to help you, to guide you through this. We can chat with you. We can call with you. There's an invitation if you're on the church mobile platform You can click on that and you can let us know so we can connect with you because we want to make sure that you understand that you are no longer alone. We want you to fully embrace the peace of Christ so you can have the power and purpose of Christ as well. We have such a beautiful message told to us today. We are no longer alone in this world. Our lives are made complete because Christ lives With us forever. And all we need to do is ask him to forgive us of our sins. What a beautiful message that is. He is risen. Christ is risen today. And that means we have peace. He is risen and that means we have purpose. He is risen and that means that we have the power from the Holy Spirit. He is risen, and so we can celebrate today because we are no longer alone. For every single one of us who confess that Jesus is Lord over our lives, we walk every day with Christ beside us. No grave could hold him. No, No death could not stop him. You're no longer alone. The disciples were changed on that day because of this moment, and so are we. He is risen, and so we are no longer alone. Praise be to God. As a way to celebrate, to commemorate, to give thanks to God for this, we will be partaking of communion together. And so I I encourage you at this time to gather your elements, whatever you might have on hand. Again, I remind you that the grace of God is sufficient to cover the fact that you might not have grape juice or crackers in the house. Just trust that God is going to provide. The communion supper, instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is a sacrament which proclaims his life his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking of their sins, and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of the Lord. That right there is salvation, folks. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. Gather your elements as we pray. In unity with the church, may we confess our faith. This is a part you can repeat after me Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so let us pray. Holy God, we gather at this your table. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed, Jesus healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Gather your elements now. Let us pray. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the blood and the, the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I encourage my wife to come forward to participate with me today. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you. Preserve you blameless until everlasting life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, shed for you. Preserve you blameless until everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to never spend a single day locked behind a door, cowering in fear, thinking that we are alone. May we realize that we are never alone. You are with us because you have risen from the dead. You are not in that grave. You have defeated death itself so that we might live. And may we take that news and go out just as you told your disciples to go with the power of Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit. May we share with others so that they may know that they do not need to live alone in fear They can live a life of boldness and power through you. It is in your name we pray. Amen. I encourage you now for the benediction. um, As as we try to bring more interaction within the church, this is something that I, I want to encourage more of because I have constantly said that Worship service is not a passive thing. Of course, it's made that much more difficult because I'm talking to a camera right now. But it is not a passive thing. It is something that we do actively. That is why we stand for the Word of God. That is why after the reading of the Word of God, we say, thanks be to God. That's why I'm incorporating call and response. And so I encourage you now for the benediction. It is tradition within the church that as the benediction is said that you raise your hands and you turn your palms heavenward so that you might symbolize with your body the receiving of this blessing from God. So I encourage you now to do that with your hands. You don't have to lift them high, but turn your palms upwards to receive this blessing. Resurrecting God, you conquered death and opened the gates of life everlasting. In the power of the Holy Spirit, raise us with Christ that we too may proclaim healing and peace to the nations. Amen. I now send you out into your communities, social distancing in mind, to make Christ like disciples. Go in the grace of God. God bless you.